You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. We want to welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. I'm Eugene P. We got my man Stevie G right there. Steve, how you doing? Doing great. Excited for the new school year. You know, it's been a minute since we did a podcast and, you know, the people have been wanting more. So we got to give them what they want. We got to we got to stick to the schedule. Stick to the schedule. It's been too long. We have so many topics we have to talk about. So I think our frequency will be at a good one or two podcasts a week. So for those who don't know, if it's your first time listening and for our, our longtime listeners, just a review. We talk about everything as it pertains to education, the good, the bad, the ugly, the stuff that get talked about in the uh, staff lounges, the stuff that gets talked about in the hallways, the stuff the parents talk about. Do they teachers. still have staff lounges? Do they still have staff lounges? Would yes, you build do. a new school with a staff lounge? You're no, in charge. I would repurpose it and call it something else. So would I. But we give it all. We give it to you straight and raw. Um, like there's no beating around the bush. Public school, private school, urban, suburban. We we tackle it all. Union, no union, we tackle it all. A little bit about Stevie G. Stevie. A little bit about myself. Taught grades one through eight. College professor. Executive uh. director. Uh. CEO of the Center for Urban Education Ministry. So uh, uh. there you go. That's what I need to hear. Well, well you left off some stuff. Oh, I thought, you were cheering. I thought you were cheering me along. I was cheering you motivation. along. You left off some stuff while I was cheering. Administrator. Uh. I think that's everything. He's an author. Uh. How did I forget author? How did I forget superhero educator? He's a consultant. Superior uh. skills and success. I thought that was just encouragement to keep going. Stevie G is a consultant. Uh, he's a trainer. Uh, man, what don't you do? We do it all. We do it all. All those experiences make the podcast that much better because right, we're not well, just talking about something we don't know. We're experts in the field and we're sharing our experiences and our education. A little, little bit about me, uh, former middle school teacher, former assistant principal, former principal, adjunct professor, currently in K-12, director of curriculum instruction, author, you the consultant. Beat? Huh? You hear the beat behind you? I do hear it. I do hear it. Author consultant, trainer, you name it in education, we've done it, but we just, we just trying to lay down the groundwork right here. We're not bragging y'all. This is just, this is how it happened in real life, how it unfolded educationally. That's what it's hard because people have a hard time ourselves included talking about 
your experiences and the value you add, but that's extremely important, extremely important because now you know, as you're listening, how much can I trust, right? What's the trust factor? What, how much can I take away from, from what they're saying and the experiences and the education all matters. Yeah. You, yeah. You got to understand who the people are that you're listening to talking to, you know, you know, that you have to make a decision. Are they credible and trustworthy? And we're probably the two most trustworthy educators you ever go meet. We're going to give it to you like it is, whether you like it or not, we're going to give it to you like it is. So Steve, today, today's topic, we're doing two shows tonight. This is show one, the beginning of the year, man. Like I think just about everybody starts, it has started or started by this week, maybe latest next week. It's that time. It's that energy. It's that freshness. It's that hope that, you know, everything's going to go well. All these plans going to go well, you know, new outfits for the students, new outfits for the teachers, new procedures, new policies or procedures to get into the building, better relationship with parents, all those things. It's like, it's that time of the year. It's like, it's like love is in the air inside these schools. Did you have a new outfit? Did you have a new outfit picture, Eugene, third, fourth, fifth grade? Did your mom buy you a new outfit for school the first I day? New, I had a new outfit last week. What? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yes, that's an absolute. So Eugene comes into second grade, new outfit. Several new outfits or just the first day? Um, as far as I can remember, I always had at least two. Wow. Not how I grew up. I have two older sisters. I probably got hand-me-downs for the first day of school. Probably my sister's hand-me-downs. And you'll like it. And you will like it. You know what's crazy? Uh, every school year, I take a picture outside my house at the beginning of the school year. I see that's pre- of yourself? You, yeah. you get a picture? Yeah. And let me tell you this. I don't think I've ever done that. What do you do? What do you do with that picture? What's that for? Just for for a uh, personal, okay, copy like whatever you know. You put and a little chalkboard or marker board and say the year it's. If I had years. one, I would do it. Okay. If I had one, I would do it. But what I did to mark this school year, because I heard they had them at Walmart. I went to Walmart. It's for you young people. You're not gonna understand this. For you old people, you'll get it. Like me, I went to Walmart and bought a trapper keeper. Just because they still sell them, they sell trapper keepers. Do they call them trapper keepers yet? Yeah, it, yeah. It says trapper keeper on there, and it was like five dollars and ninety nine cent. So I when you open a trapper keeper, so it, it still has on the left side, like it's white, and you can put like paper or keys or a uh, pencil case in there, and then then you open it up, and there's um like three folders that's hole punched. That you could put work in. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and then I remember spot, the Trapper right? Keeper. Yeah. That yeah, was way got... out of the price range when folders were going for 10 cents. And then you yeah. see that Trapper Keeper and you want that in your cart. Yes, and sir. There's no yes, way sir. that was getting in the cart. I bought a Trapper Keeper. And what I found interesting is most of my students don't know what it is. Now, did you have a Trapper Keeper in your youth or is this the first time you? Youth. In my youth. You had one. Yeah, I had, I had a number of them. Oh. And, and you know what's funny? New teachers have no clue of what a trapper keeper is. Also, they're they are as clueless to about this as students. It's, I'm it's, surprised. I'm surprised they have the trapper keeper yet. 
but there's no way when folders were that cheap and because it's really a collection of folders to keep you all organized. And that's what you're using as you go into school each day. Absolutely. It keeps me organized. All my important that. notes that I need, just need to have on the fly. But we got, we got, we got a trapper keeper. And it's a nice Velcro like they used to, or is it a? Yep. So you yep. open it up, you hear that Velcro sound? That, yep, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The kids are like, what is that? Like, like, what is they, you know, it looks like an instrument, actually. But that was just open that, it to show you arrived. Just open it up. That, you mean business. Like, they, they exactly. know you mean business. Absolutely. Before you even talk, wait. you just wait, open it. And slowly get into what you want to say. Hey, that's a great classroom management tool, setting the tone. That trapper keeper sound. I do Steve, like that. Now, what makes this year different for many people, not all, but what makes this new school year different for beginning of the year purposes, we are coming back from student. We're coming back to an environment where student, many, not all, but many students haven't been in, really been in the school for a year and a half. So usually that, that, that time frame in between, it's like three months. If you had a year round school, might be two and a half. But we're bringing kids back that's been out a year and a half, experienced a pandemic, and I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna say it straight, especially for kids that are older, they've been calling the shots themselves for a year and a half. And we're opening our doors to rules, procedures, policies, IEPs, um, restorative justice, restorative practice, hallway procedures, homework policies, note-taking policies, cafeteria policies. But the kid's been out a year and a half. And it's a little bit peculiar. And I can only say that because I'm looking at, looking at this through the, through the lens of my kids. So you're saying that across At the home. country, students are not prepared and teachers aren't prepared, or are you saying as teachers, we better make sure we're, we're taking time to get students caught up. So you would say- I'm saying just, all the above. I'm not, I'm not going to get right into the reading and math. I have to get everybody into into what school is again. I got to get the student. The reading and math will come. I got to get the student. Because as anxious as, I, as anxious as I am about being back, imagine what they're feeling. Now, you got something that's happy to be back. You got something that's angry. But you got a whole lot of, I'm just not sure. And you brought up the point of, I was just thinking of, for a year and a half, you could be in shorts, pajamas, sweatshirt, walk around, do what you need to do, take care of yourself. 
and now you're in a desk and you're being told what to do and told to line up and told that you're going to move at this time. That's, that's a whole different change. Like you said, usually there's a three month, two and a half month span of that, a whole year and a half getting used to that. There's going to be some retraining, some, some guidance necessary, some whole teaching philosophy on how do we handle that? How do we do that now? So you're, you're suggesting schools are going to have to take that right away, right out of the gate this week and say, we have to work on that. And they yeah, may I not would, be ready. I would advise if- all schools to really double down on where are the students at right now? Like, I know the schools have a plan, but where are the students at right now? What's their current realities walking into this door? So how much time do you take on that? Whatever you need. It's been a year and a, it's been a year and a half. Hmm. And I know for people who like that, that pacing guy and for the individuals that, you know, it's got to be boom, boom, boom. This is not, this is not that type of, this is a once in a lifetime situation. Like Steve, in your, in your, in your world, you've never been out a year and a half in my world. I've never been out a year and a half. But then I, there is a point of let's get into this. Let's show the separation. I was always a big believer. I was the teacher that would say, I am going to give you, 10 to 20 different different uh, problems, real simple problems, but day one, I'm giving you homework. Now everyone's going to ace the homework. I'm going to give everybody the A. So I want everybody to understand the difference of we're back in school. So they'd all go, I can't believe this first day you're giving homework. Yes, I am, because I need to show a separation of welcome back. This is school now and summer, summer is over. But it was also work that we went through in class. It was work that they could do independently. So when I say homework, it wasn't something they need help parental, parental guidance. But I did believe it was important to get right out of gate and started and realize it's school. So I, I might struggle with this myself, how much time I would give without getting into the content. I think I'd get, I think I would do both. I would have to get a system down of here's how we handle school again. And let's talk about it and why we're doing it. At the same time, I need to teach my social studies, history, math, reading class. Ding, 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 ding. That, that sounds nice, Steve. Like, like you win the nice guy award. But I have a question for you. Do you think the average teacher, the average principal in the back of their mind, believe we're just going to go back to the way it was before? Or do you think the average teacher or principal recognizes this has to be different? I believe that the average teacher or principal wants to go back to how it was. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it'll ever be back to where it was, right? So that wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want your opinion. I want the average teacher, average principal. Average teacher, a- average principal across our country is going, welcome back. Let's let's get at it. Okay. So because what have they heard the whole time? They've heard learning loss, learning delayed, unfinished business, however you want to call it they realize that there's some kind of gap that widened 
And so they feel enormous pressure day one as they're, as they're setting out the rules and, and going through the guidelines and doing fun activities. They feel this pressure like they've never felt before because all they've heard and felt and they have this, this uh, awareness that there is some kind of catching up to do with learning. Do you, how do I want to say this? Do you think there's a conversation happening with the average teacher and the average principal? You know, returning to the way it was didn't work for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we're going right back to that. Like, like no, is there any writing on the wall to say, hey, something is not, it's, we're not looking at this the right way. I like that. I like that conversation. I'm not sure most are there yet, but I like how you're frame, reframing that. If we say go back to normal, we're assuming that was good, right? There's sort of some way of saying students- How dare you say that's not good? How dare you say that <laughs> it's not good? All students weren't succeeding at the levels we wanted to. So we're not going back to how it was. We're gonna make it better. We're gonna think through how we can make it better that more students are succeeding. That's a great, that's a great opening for a faculty opening day faculty assembly, that's really what you want to talk about. And then the piece, the, the, the piece that to take that one step further, you're, you're around a lot of people, like you're, you're, you're heavily grounded into urban education. I'm heavily grounded into urban education, not just locally, but nationally, you know, Center for Urban Education Ministries, you know, you all got to learn about that. But Steve, you, you, you run a national organization and then I follow behind you. I'm just not hearing nationally, hey, this, some of these aspects weren't good for kids. What I'm hearing is let's run back to a year and a half ago. And, and that's across the board. Like, I, like, give me something that wasn't, I agree with you, but let's get specific. Give me something that you feel wasn't, wasn't working for students. Punitive policies. So, so the classroom management for a lot, uh, classroom engagement, relationships with parents, cell phone policies. You may keep going. No, those are good. Those are good. So those are specific ways in which we we weren't meeting all. Let students. me finish. Student suspensions. Yep. It's unfair against black boys. I have not seen nothing that says we're doing something different. And you would like to see we're 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 rebooting education. You would like to see in the reboot why not try something different, go in a different direction because going back to how we were will give us the same results. I would like to see innovation during the reboot. And and with the understanding, you're going to try some things that don't work. It's part of the education, folks. I see people 
nationally not try because it's because they're scared to fail. Absolutely. And Absolutely. in our book, Superhero Educator, in stores now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or you get a copy from Steve and myself. There's a chapter. See, I, I actually read your chapters more than mine. You should. You should. Well, well, I I do. You're stretching yourself. I'm stretching myself. But there's a chapter in which you talk about the teacher taking calculated risk. And not just going off what has always worked or what someone told them will work. Like, I look at this as a time to, in the reboot, to really attack areas that you couldn't make before this. Like, there's no way I'm going straight back to it. I like your approach with this. I I'm like glad it. you like it. I like the compliment. Keep, keep this, it going. This is uh, genius insights. How's that? Genius level insights from you. Appreciate it. Pitchford the third. This is this is where it's at though, because your whole what you're really talking about is we're, we're if we go all the way back, why are we even teaching? All right. Why do we get up in the morning? Why do we go into the classrooms? Why do we pick that as a major? We want to improve students' lives, right? We want to transform students' lives. And when we don't see that needle moving, you're saying, why we're not going to go back to that. Why not innovate? Why not take a risk? Try something else because we're not getting the results we want in the other direction. And why not do this collectively as we have the opportunity because we have a pandemic that, that forced us in a new direction? You gave a long hypothesis. I'm saying it like this. If X, Y, and Z didn't work before the pandemic, why the heck would it work now? Like what's the, and maybe I'm missing the secret sauce or the magic. So we agree, we agree on this. So what, what advice school teachers, school leaders, if they say, I agree with you, Gene, what next? Should they be tackling one me. of these with engagement? You got to really, management? You, okay, so if you agree with me, which I hope you do, you got to really take stock and inventory and be honest. Take the feelings out of it. Like in your district, in your school, like in, the, in your systems, what was actually working and what wasn't? You, like you have to have that conversation. Let's forward that. So I realize I'm with you, Eugene. I agree with you. You're on to something here. Classroom management at our school, we weren't, we were seeing the same students suspended, kicked out of school. We didn't really have good solutions. What's then the next step for a, a principal? The very next step would be for that principal in school to have reboot conversations on classroom management. They need to look at different strategies, uh, um, whether it's books, whether it's PD, whether it's other schools in their area or highlight schools in the nation, what have you. But you really got to look at what's working in other places. Not that you can emulate it to the T, but you got to be able to see some stuff. Like, what does your data say? 
And see, a lot of times people don't move on change because of the players in the game. The players in the game, it's not about the players. It's, a, it's, it's about the students. And so here we have, I'm just using your wife as an example. Your wife's been in this district forever and she may not like it, so we're not even going to try. Oh. Or we may have this fifth grade team that may not like it and they're going to put up a stink. Or we may have this union. Or if you're in a private faith-based school, the church may not like this. But who's fighting for improvement? So I literally think you have to have the conversation. Like, it's, it, like, if you don't have the conversation, nothing happens. And then you have to make a commitment to trying something different. Because you always have people that, that want to stay static. So you're right. I like how you, how you reference, too, that there's people out there across our country that are doing fabulous work in some areas and others that need improvement. Never before have we been able to to capture what others are doing as easily as we can now. So but, but, we but can see, capture that. I, but but let me highlight what you just said, because I think that gets overlooked. And this is shifting the conversation a little bit. But the one thing COVID-19 has done in the education world, the resources are really at your fingertips and on Zoom and Google Meets. Like it's literally there. I can't tell you how many times Internet. I've tapped into a presenter for free. Twitter. Twitter, Podcast. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, uh, everywhere. Just Websites. everywhere. Hey, how did you do this? Send me your email. Can we, can we Zoom? So there's like, no excuses when people want to put excuses or barriers. You have to break those down and that's what good leaders do. That's what great teachers do. They break down those barriers and they say for the, for the students, going back to the purpose why we got an education, for the students, we're going to be able to do great things this year. We're going to revamp our classroom management, our engagement pieces with students and parent relationships, whatever it is, whatever you mentioned, those were good examples. We're going to do that because we have no other choice. That's a great way to start the year and, and really work on some things. And I I'm not a believer you have to you have to wait either. Sometimes people go, well, we want a fresh start. We'll do that next year. There has to be some urgency attached to it because of the, for the students' sake. Well, I think you just have to have these courageous conversations of what is really working and what isn't versus tradition, right? And so half the times I think schools really don't know what worked it's a tradition and they don't know what doesn't work. It's a tradition, but like be like, and I'm saying this and it sounds so simple, so simple, Steve, but what I'm saying to you is you really got to have that talk. Hey y'all, this ain't working. Are you calling traditions like the teacher's desire as well? Like I've been teaching for 10 years. This is what I, I feel comfortable doing. I'm not even putting this significantly on teachers, teachers, principals, school systems. We all in the same boat. So I don't want this to come off as this is just a teacher thing. It, sure. It's clearly not. It's an administrative thing. It's a school board thing. So you yeah. talk commitment. You're talking finding out what others are doing that 
is taking successful. And then taking calculated risk and then tracking to see if it worked or if it didn't work. looking at the data and then you continue that loop and really you have a continual improvement plan. Right there is your continual improvement plan that you can use all year. And then how do you sell that to parents? Right? I'm not, I'm not asking you, Steve, Steve sure. but what I'm saying is, and then whatever that focus area is, whenever you, see, whenever you send out school notification, that theme is in there. So it's just yep. constant, constant, constant. And you sell, and now it to, like living. you sell it to parents by making sure the number one priority in their lives, their child, is the focus. That's how you sell it. Sure. That's our, that's our focus is, is your child. And you communicate with the parent. Not wait till wait till it's uh, October and I, we have a ten minute conversation because we're forced to by the school. We're having conversations week one. I'm gonna tell you something somebody told me the other day. I'm like, wow, this is why onboarding with students is critical. So if you're in a K eight school, eighth grade is the big dog in that school. Those eighth graders are really sixth graders. They've been out of the building for two years. Mm. That ninth grade group is really seventh grade group. We're expecting them to behave like ninth graders, but they really ain't been in school since the seventh grade. That's interesting. That's interesting to think through that way. Your seniors are 10th graders. That's very interesting as, as we think about that. That's, that could be very helpful because I would think, well, myself, I would look at it as I have my curriculum down. I'm teaching seniors. I've been always teaching seniors. I have it. Let's go. And they're not to that. They're not thinking they're not that way. Or they're not to that level yet. That's a, that's a good way to look and at it's, it. And it's no slight or disrespect to students. No. They're not there. Imagine that teacher you hired two years ago. It's almost like it's their first year. Imagine that principal that you hired two years ago. It's basically their first year. Mm -hmm. that is, that, that's helpful to look through that lens. Because when you look through that lens, that makes, you, that makes you go back to your point of, we have to teach this. We have to spend time on this. We have to spend time on thinking about the desk, the dress, the hallway procedures, the listening, all that's going to matter. And what I think, if I was in charge of a school district, this was a conversation before, but it has to be a bigger conversation now because of the pandemic, attention spans. Oh, absolutely. You have absolutely. to have that conversation. And I'm not, I'm not dogging kids out, but when I, I see you taking notes, I like that. But what, I, what I'm saying to you is you got to have a conversation on what does this look like if we know the attention spans are different now? It, like, it's, it's one thing if you don't know, right? But there's some things we know. And you have no, so talking for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, 
and saying, wait till I have your questions at the end won't work. So we know that. We know that. And we're and so you're in charge. You know, of you know how you know that don't work. You could look in. You could look in higher ed and see that one. <laughs> and that's how they teach lecture, PowerPoint over and over, drill and kill. If it don't work in K twelve, why in the world would it work in higher ed? I agree. I agree. I every, can't tell. Every school, every time they get to a different level, they feel they're more sophisticated or more knowledgeable than the other level, even though the key is engagement. So I, I think that the kindergarten, first, second grade, third grade teachers understand engagement. They, they have to. Otherwise, they have to. They won't have any success at all. So they get it. And that was my best it was my hardest years teaching first grade, but also I learned the most because you have to be good at engagement. You have to be good at, at organization. You had to be good at presenting uh, and all that matters. And then we lose it because we say we give a false premise that, well, they're in high school or college. I'm preparing them. In high school, they say I'm preparing them for college. College, they say I'm preparing them for real life. And they're both excuses just to to, just to talk about what subject you like instead of engaging students. That, that's a good point. I, I think kindergarten through second grade may have an advantage over the rest of the teachers. That may be controversial. I don't know. But kindergarten through second grade may have an advantage over everything else. And I'm talking third all the way to college, higher ed. I, th I think so. I think so. They're, they're, they're experts in engagement. So what you'd want to do is if you were a high school, college, middle school teacher, you'd want to use those kindergarten, first grade, second grade teachers as a resource and, and learn from them and say, well, the content's obviously different, but how do I break up my content to get the attention span, the engagement? Because you won't have retention. You can, you can talk all day, but if you don't have the retention, you don't have learning. Right, and, and that's why I think higher ed is in trouble. Because these kids are finding ways to do things online. They're deciding I don't need college. Like the traditional format of higher ed is becoming obsolete fast. No argument here. I'll say here. it for you. It's becoming no, obsolete No fast. argument here. I We've seen it. We've been able to see trends. We're seeing that trend and that trend's definitely definitely moving in that direction and quickly and quickly. Let's, uh, let's bring it to a con conclusion here for this podcast. Let's uh, give some closing thoughts. Man, I want to wish, man, I, I really, really want to wish everyone a happy new school year. Um, there are some things that's the same and some things that are totally different now. But I, but it is it, my prayer that everyone involved from the school board all the way down to the volunteers, to the students, the teachers, the administrators, the counselors, the social workers. I, if I start naming stuff, I'm gonna forget something. Daycares it is, you know, it's my prayer that, you know, everyone has a magical school year. Um, it's tough. And uh, I, I believe, you know, I believe the, SE, the SEL needs 
will be paramount this school year. I, mean, I don't see how that cannot be a focus. And so, you know, that, that it's going to be a tougher year. And I'm glad that we're back. But I still don't, and I've never have, even before the pandemic, never have bought into go back to exactly the way it was. And so I'm challenging all the listeners out there. It's like, what can you stretch? What can you, what can you pivot? What can you reinvent? Like, if this is your one time to change something and do it magical, like, like this is it. Like, this is that time. So I'm counting on you, me, Steve, and all of us to, like, just really be there for the, the academic, social, academic and social needs of our children. So... So that's my final thought. Um, shout out to all those creative educators. I, I love you. I'm, I'm hugging the computer. I, I love you right now. You are actually hugging the computer. Yeah, I, I just did it. it. Yeah, I just I did it. it. That is well stated. That is well stated because teaching is the hardest profession, I believe. And you are bringing up, and I, and I want to... Add to that, finding a joy, finding a joy in the students to step back and go, it is extremely hard work. And we know, we know the pay, we know the hours, we know the stressors, that's all real. And so this year to start out and to continue to find joy in that tough, tough week or tough day or tough month to, to step back and find the, the joy, the joy of saying, you have these great gifts to bring to students every day and families, and you're using those gifts that, that you've been given. Um, enjoy those. Find the, find the joy in the students. Find the uh, smiling faces and let that re-energize you and, and give, you, give you a new life and, and have a great year. And we'll continue to be with you along the year as, as we continue to go through these topics. I got one more thing, Steve. I, I, I want to don't do this. Like, don't be me. Right. So we give you all these tips. But I'm, I'm speaking to myself on this podcast. Don't be that educator, the teacher that's too busy to eat lunch, the assistant principal that's too busy to eat lunch, the principal that's too busy to eat lunch. You got to eat, y'all. You got to have fuel in your tummy. Uh, uh, the day goes by fast and I know it. But, pe but please slow the day down enough just to, uh, to, to eat. Like, I don't know why educators are so guilty of not eating lunch. And I'm as guilty as anybody else. And I did not eat lunch today. But I promise you I'm going to eat lunch tomorrow. It's like you were on a conversation with, with my wife and I just had today. No lie. We didn't talk about this earlier. I said something about eating today. My wife said... I did not eat. I wasn't able to eat lunch. And I said, what? How do you not eat lunch? You have to eat lunch. You didn't, your schedule. And then she goes, well, I didn't take the time. So it went from, I can't eat lunch. I wasn't able to, till I did, to, I didn't take the time. And I said, that has to, you have to. So that's a great reminder because that's two people that just told me today, two, two educators that did not eat lunch. So think of that times across the country, how many thousands of educators that, that are not doing that. And, and, and not only eat lunch, this is, I, I'm glad you brought this up. This is a good way to end it. Not only eat lunch, 
how about exercise, take a walk, get some sunlight if possible, you know, whatever it is that you find enjoyment and if it's walking a pet, finding, you know, connecting with your parents, connecting with a loved one, that healthy teachers are going to make such a, that is a, such a positive impact with the students. So you have to keep up with yourself. You have to keep up with your own health and then you can continue to teach. If you're not keeping up with yourself, then it's going to affect your classroom and, and your students. That's a, that's a very important piece that you brought up, Eugene. I'm glad you did to, uh, to talk about this week. Hey, we try to give you the, the tips that you need to be successful as, as part of the podcast. Feels good to be back. We're back. So, Steve, anything new in your world educationally? Nothing new in my world. Just excited to to continue and 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 re and do some of these things that we talked about myself. Gotcha. Yourself? Man, you know, just hanging in there, just doing what it takes. I'm super excited. Um, I get this energy. Like for me, the clock starts ticking August August one. No matter what's going on, like there's something about August first, an internal clock sets in. It's time to go back to work. And not necessarily school, but like it's it's time to start getting ready, August first. So that that kind of pops into my mind. And let's end. We always end the show talking about something, uh, whether it's a book, it's a presentation that you're doing, some highlighting something in education that's that's close to our hearts. I would just like to end it talking about the center. I, I need everybody to connect with the center, valuable resources, information. So the center for urban education ministries, I need everyone to go to www.cuemnational.org and see how you can get connected. Uh, I'm going to point everyone to Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Please support us. Pick up the book, Superhero Educator. It is the best educational book you could possibly read as the students would say no cap it's it's a great book um written by yours truly and stevie g uh, once again the book superhero educator on amazon at amazon at barnes and noble we want to make sure you pick up a copy we put a lot of work into that we want to make sure you uh, pick up the book you will be very satisfied all right on that note we're pretty much done with the show. We appreciate you for listening. I have another show next week waiting for you. Uh, make sure you tell your family, your friends. You, uh, I want you to find five educators and make sure you share our podcast with them. On that note, we are out. Peace. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.